Hello, everybody. Welcome to the CPL Newsroom presented by Volkswagen. Charlie Clark joined by Mitchell Tierney. And it's uh, Friday, which is already a weird time for us to be doing one of these. Uh, there must be something going on. Mitchell, I don't know if you heard, but the Canadian men's national team is playing in a final on Sunday against the United States. CONCACAF Nations League, they beat Panama 2-0 last night in Las Vegas. We were both watching it, and I think we're just here to kind of take that all in, soak it in, and, and think about what this means for the Canadian national team program. So we're going to recap the game. We're going to look a little bit ahead at that final on Sunday. We're going to talk a little bit about that absolute insanity of a <laughs> quote-unquote football match that was at the same stadium after Canada between the U.S. and Mexico. And we'll, uh, we'll have some fun. If anybody has any comments, questions, drop them in the chat. We'll try to get to them. But Mitchell, just to start off, you've obviously been watching this national team for a long time. What is the feeling this morning knowing that Canada is going to play for a trophy on Sunday? I mean, first and foremost, just like how different is it to watch this Canadian national team in recent years than it has been in the past? Mm -hmm. Where like it was just such a, you know, there was obviously moments and there always are going to be where Panama looked good. But it was such a comfortable performance from Canada and like arguably one of their most important CONCACAF games in, in a long time, like a, a semifinal. So uh, that in itself is big. But yeah, it's a, it's a big moment for the program, obviously, you know, coming off of. Um, making the World Cup, coming off of what they did in World Cup qualifying, like you have to build on that. You have to sustain that and getting back to a final so close to a World Cup and, you know, just uh, the way they did it as well is is massively important and positive. So uh, I think the the feeling is is mostly one of excitement overall. It is. And it's it's interesting you talk about getting into a final so close after the World Cup. You wrote about it before the game. We've spoken about it before, but this is an opportunity for Canada to evolve as a team and show that the world cup qualification cycle wasn't a flash in the pan mm -hmm. right because this program has had flashes in the pan before they've had moments or cycles or or tournaments where they've had a really good run and then after that it all falls apart and there's no sustained success right this is a moment where the world cup was frustrating for canada they know that um i think there's a feeling in the team that maybe they played better at that world cup than they're maybe given credit for domestically at least but this is where they kind of come of age and show that they continue to belong with the u.s with the mexico's with the, the other teams in Concacaf that they want to be ahead of really and, and firmly in that top three we can talk about if that's a top three still in a second <laughs> but this is uh, an important moment for this national team program let's get into the game against panama a bit it was a tough one john herdman said it was going to be a tough one from the start right he said the day before that Panama is one of the two most difficult <laughs> opponents he's played in CONCACAF. I think I can now guess uh, which of the U.S. and Mexico he's <laughs> leaving out of that, considering how things went last night. But it was a, a really difficult game. It was so physical. And obviously, there's a Panama team that's been coached by Thomas Christensen for a while. They've moved to that back five recently, which I think is is working has been working for them a lot. They've played a lot of games. Recently, a lot of friendlies, including they went to Argentina and played Messi <laughs> and only lost 2-0 uh, in, in like one of those Argentine homecoming games in March, which I don't think gets enough credit for how Panama played in a game like that. But Panama's a tough team to beat. Mitch, what did you think that was working for Canada in that first half? Because I think they eventually found the places where the space was, right? 
Yeah, I think they did. And um, you wrote about it really well, I think, in in your analysis where, you know, they were trying to, to look in behind that uh, that high Panama line. And, um, you know, we really saw some of their playmakers, you know, sometimes Kone Ustakia would find themselves in line with the, the back line so that they could be the ones to to play those balls over the top. But you know, they have players between Alistair Johnson, um, between Kamal Miller, who can connect those passes as well. So when you have so many options at the back that can move the ball forward, um, I thought that was really positive. And, you know, their their midfield, uh, you know, duo of, of Kone and Eustachio, maybe not quite as uh, progressive as we've seen them in recent matches, but they also just didn't lose the ball. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think between the two of them, there's a couple of, of, you know, off moments from Kone, I felt, early on, but... Between the two of them, I think they played six passes that didn't find a, a recipient, which you know is pretty absurd um, for for a midfield duo. So uh, I think those things in particular were were really solid. And then obviously, you know, the, the movement up top of guys like Jonathan David to uh, be able to to get in behind and find himself in good positions. And then even you know Kyle Laren later on in, in the half uh, when Tejon found him for a good chance. Um, I suppose that was the second half, actually. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, I think just the, the ability that they, they have to, um, yeah, just have those attacking players who who can think like that and, and find those spaces that, that open up are incredibly important. So uh, that's what I liked from Canada. Yeah, the movement up top was a big one for me. I think that this was actually a really, really good tactical performance from John Herdman. Mm-hmm. I think he, he generally got it right at the start. And Panama adjusted and he adjusted to counter and, and that really worked out for him. But like at the beginning, he talked a lot about that back five and, and how Panama were going to keep it high and what Canada did to either try and ping those balls over the top, as you, as you mentioned, or when they did cut, take it along the ground, when they had that space out wide, they would have multiple runners at the back line trying to get in behind, right? You just look at the the Jonathan David goal in the first half. You've got Sam Atakubi pulling one runner to the left with his run. Kyle Laren pulling somebody else to the right. And Jonathan David being just obviously the best striker in CONCACAF <laughs> yeah. by getting on the end of that ball and, and putting it between the legs of the goalkeeper it was a really, really... I mean, it's a goal that looks really good on the surface, but then when you look at everything that's happening off the ball as well, it gets even more impressive, right? And then in the second half, we got to talk about the second half because Panama had Canada on the ropes at times in the first mm-hmm. maybe 10 minutes of that, right? And I think a lot of people could see that Panama were finding those balls through the middle. If Canada's going wide all the time, then there's nobody in the middle, and they're just playing the ball there, especially when Kone and Dostakio are covering so much ground in the center of the park. And then we'll talk about the Davies sub in a second, but bringing Jonathan <laughs> Osorio into the game at that point, I think for me was exactly what Canada needed and it's really encouraging that John Herdman notices that immediately pretty early at the hour mark and I don't know if it was already the plan to get Osorio into the game at that point it probably was but to bring him on instead of like as a third midfielder instead of for for uh for Ismail Kone as it might have been uh I think that's kind of a moment that turned the game a little bit for Canada and gave them a little bit more control but I mean I I guess we'll I guess we'll move on to bringing Davies on at that point though right Mitchell that's just a special special player isn't that well quickly on the the Osorio substitution I mean that's like a a lesson learned I think from the World Mm -hmm. Cup where you know that was the substitution maybe they needed to make against uh, Croatia certainly and we were all kind of yelling that they didn't make that one soon enough and you know they make it in this game right away when when things start to go wrong but I think you know 
all of the substitutions I think were very important. I mean, Davies, the obvious one, he comes on uh, Panama just as a country having nightmares about Alfonso Davies at this point and um, what, what he's able to do. And I think it's seven minutes after coming on, he scores that incredible wonder goal and combines with Jonathan David. And, you know, it's, a, it's another fantastic moment from those two. But another underrated substitution I thought was, you know, bringing on Scott Kennedy and how important mm-hmm. um, he is, again, in winning the ball um, that, that led to that Davies goal, but also just, you know, with Vittoria at his age and, and having two games back to back with Alistair Johnson, not fully uh, fit as well, kind of coming back from injury, having another player like that who's just been so reliable at the back for Canada as, as Scott Kennedy is, um, is critical. And and I thought he did a great job of, again, at a time when Canada was maybe feeling a bit of the pressure, Kennedy came in and was solid right away. So I thought, yeah, like you said, tactically, John Herdman started the match well, he managed the match well. Um, that, that's a good sign against a, a difficult Panama team. Absolutely. Just a reminder, anybody watching, get your questions in the chat. We kind of inadvertently answered other Mitchell's question here about having a third midfielder in a park. I do think more generally, is Canada better with a third midfielder? I I lean to the the general answer being yes, but it is situational. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think in games against opponents where you're going to have more of the ball, they kind of want to get more of those wide threats on the pitch. It is difficult to get Davies, David, Laren, Tejon Buchanan all on the pitch at the same time and also have three midfielders in there. Yeah. Uh, it's it's almost impossible. But I think in games against higher quality opponents, I mean, Panama for one, but we saw it against Croatia. They're coming up against the U.S., a pretty confident U.S. team on mm-hmm. Sunday. I think for me, you definitely have to have three bodies in that midfield, uh, even even if Weston McKenney and Tyler Adams aren't in that lineup, um, there's definitely going to be a, a big battle there. Maybe we should just start looking ahead to that game then, because Mitchell, you said you you looked at you watched some of that U.S. Mexico game this morning. <laughs> I was watching it live last night. That was insane. <laughs> yeah. uh, from from so many so many facets, the U.S. and Mexico. I, I think we have to be real about where we stand. There's no. Uh, there's no touching that rivalry in CONCACAF. We can talk about Canada being rivals with the U.S., and, and we are, but that is something else, right? We I think we saw it last night. Poor Fuller and Balogun got a, <laughs> a, a rude introduction, I think, to that rivalry. Just, Mitchell, tell me about what you saw from the U.S. that Canada's going to have to play on Sunday. Yeah, um, there, I think there was a lot to like uh, about the U.S. performance. Um, first and foremost, obviously, Christian Pulisic. I think that's the best we've seen him uh, mm-hmm. wearing the captain's armband from the U.S. in a while. You know, early on in the match, he was immediately getting in there. I think he missed a chance, you know, within the first 15 minutes where he beats everyone on the pitch and then just puts it over the net. But, you know, he was consistently dangerous down that flank. You know, Tim Weah down the other side was was really good as well. And, and Gio Reyna, um, you know, maybe the most engaged we've seen him in a U.S. kit for a while. You know, he takes that elbow, uh, gets up, he's encouraging the crowd um, after winning a foul shortly thereafter. So, you know, the the stars on this team really showed in, in an important match. So that, that's going to be very dangerous for Canada. Obviously, those wide threats. We saw Panama a little bit find some joy um, with, with their width at times, it, maybe in the first half especially, um, when Canada was playing a little bit more forward. Uh so yeah, I think that those are those are the main threats that Canada are really going to have to worry about, and you know it's the obvious suspects, but those guys haven't always been um, you know playing up to the standard. 
for sure. And we know that that's a talented American team. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they played up to the standard that they're capable of in either game against Canada and World Cup qualifying. No. Right? Certainly not in Hamilton at Tim Hortons Field, which was, I think, one of the lower points that that program has had in the last maybe maybe two years. But I think if I'm if I'm Canada, I'm pretty happy that I don't have to see Serginho Dest on Sunday. Mm-hmm. He was one of the bigger threats for the U.S. in that game. Uh, obviously, he's had a bit of a a rough go at club level the last couple of years, trying to find his place and and even trying to find his place in the U.S. squad. But he's obviously a talented player. There's a reason that Barcelona signed him in the first place, and the reason that he's continued to play in top leagues in Europe. And I think that this is going to be a real fight. For Canada, it's going to be a tough game. At, but the thing that I think maybe has at, gives Canada advantage is I think that last night was a final for the U.S. Mm-hmm. far more than it was for Canada, who are here to to win two games, to manage a tournament and win a trophy. Whereas the U.S. every time they play Mexico, that is a that is a, a final for them, and it certainly felt like one last night. And obviously, they'll come into this Canada game wanting to win that trophy, and and those. There's nothing quite the same as actually playing in a final and winning a final. But I do wonder if maybe there's a little bit more in the tank for Canada coming into this game. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. Um, <laughs> hopefully, I think we'll, get, we'll get to one more question and then we're bringing in a, a good friend of the show <laughs> live from Las Vegas. Alfonso? Uh, it's not Alfonso. It's not, <sighs> it's not Alfonso. Um, but... Uh, before we get to our good friend KJ, let's get to Vincent's question here. Were you guys surprised it was Kennedy sent on at right center back and not as a tour? Scott was good, but he looked uncomfortable when he had to pass out of the back and was refusing to use his right foot. Um, it's a good question. I mean, we as the uh, <laughs> media of the Canadian Premier League would love to see Dominic Zator get into mm-hmm. a game. I don't think that's a question, but I'm not at all surprised. I think Scott Kennedy is the one that has shown John Herbin that he can trust him that he can play in those difficult moments and in times when a game is certainly not sealed away and 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 in the bag right Mitchell like there's there's no real question as to who he calls on first off that bench in the defense no for sure it's been a while since John Herman's been experimental with who he puts on that pitch I mean you know basically the entire World Cup qualifying cycle he found his guys and if he made a change it was basically due to injuries but even then you kind of knew who was coming off the the bench um you know what roles they play how they play any given match is you know can change but he's got his guys and again Kennedy's just shown so well he was excellent in that match against Honduras uh, the last time out so um, yeah I don't think there's any surprise there obviously you know it'd be nice to see Zats get on the field it'd be nice to see Latori get on the field but I feel like that might be more something we see um, at the Gold Cup than in a Nations League where obviously results are first and foremost. I think so too I think this is you know Canada keep talking about wanting to play for a trophy and you you put the players that you trust on the pitch in those moments. All right, before we get to some more questions, we are going to welcome in from Las Vegas, Mr. Christian Jack, who uh, I'm sure everybody in the stream has been actually here to see. Uh, KJ, you've been you've been in Vegas. You have been on the ground there for a couple of fascinating football matches at Allegiant Stadium last night. Just start by telling us what it was like being there, being in that stadium and seeing you know, Canada's superstars come up and, and really win the day for them. Yeah, I hope you guys were well. Good to see you guys. Um, it was a pretty crazy experience, you know. It was one of those where you don't really have like the double headers too often in different stadiums, and mm-hmm. 
it felt a little bit very much like Canada was the appetizer to the main course. Um, but it was kind of nice that so many people, I think, joined the Canada game quite early. I mean, I know when we were doing our pregame show, there wasn't that many people in there. But by the time started, there was probably at least ten or 15,000. And then by the second half, you could say at least probably 40,000 were watching Canada, which was really good to see. So it definitely, you know, contributed to the uh, to the atmosphere. I think at one point, um, the Mexican fans went to the Voyageurs and started a Mexico uh, chant between the two of them <laughs> at one point, which was interesting. Uh, so it was uh, it was fascinating. It's a the stadium's a palace, you know. It's, mm -hmm. it's, an incredible place to see sports um no no expense spared at all for the place uh, and you know and again just another example of canada going to a different environment not being intimidated being prepared to win the game and and um i thought it was relatively comfortable i mean listening to what you guys were saying i think you guys agree you know i mean yes milan boyan had saves to make but once you'd certainly expect him to save uh, uh and in the end they managed their way to get through it and it was always a little bit of a gift and uh, no disrespect to Panama to avoid those giants. Um, I think, you know, Canada's quest to win this trophy was certainly made easier by the fact that they didn't have to beat both Mexico and the United States. Um, and now they just have to beat one. Uh, and it just happens to be the U.S., which... Uh, I think it's pretty fitting. Uh, Herdman, you know, in the press conference very, at the very beginning of this tournament uh, said that he would like to play the U.S. He gets what he wants. Um, <laughs> I think we all get what we want on Sunday. So let's see what happens with Canada. Yeah, I think John Herdman is, has been clear before that he is interested in stoking the fires of a, a Canada-U.S. rivalry. Uh, again, we've seen what it's like when the U.S. plays Mexico. Chris, and you were there for that one as well. Uh, that, that must have been something else that kind of, that game looked uh on the pitch it was incredible it was it was heated the u.s the much better team in that game and just the the event itself must have been pretty special to be in in the building for yeah it was chaotic really i mean <laughs> I, I mean from my end obviously i want to see the game uh we do our post-match press conference sorry we do our post-match uh an analysis on one soccer and then the warm-ups start behind us. So it's, you know, it's all getting ready to go. We've got Mexican media right next to us. Uh, we were right next to Univision. They weren't very happy with me because I was in their shot, even though I stayed in my very small box that I was allowed to stay in. <laughs> I kept getting elbowed to the side. Um, so, you know, it's all going off, right? And then the, 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 the Americans come out and they're warming up a lot longer um, than Mexico. And then eventually it was almost like uh, that prized boxer or that wrestler who's coming in waiting for the sound. And then they start walking in for the warm-ups and the place goes crazy. You know, like the entrance coming in for the Mexicans for the, for the warm-up, which was pretty special. Um, and then after that, just before close to kickoff, I left because I went to, I didn't leave the stadium, but I went to the mix zone to talk to the Canadian players. So much of the first 40, first half an hour, I didn't see much of the game. And then I got into my position and watched the rest of it. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, it was just nuts. You know, it was very, I suppose, very CONCACAF in a way. Um, <laughs> you don't, you know, you, you do get that kind of, you do get to see that kind of stuff in South America as well, where, you know, emotions certainly are boiling over. Uh, when you could analyze a football match in between all the whistles and all the nonsense, yeah. it was clear that there was one team that was far superior than the other. And I think that will frustrate the U.S. I think Pulisic mentioned it a little bit last night in terms of like, they were just way better than them. Like, why did they bother getting involved with that nonsense? Because now it's cost them, right, to Canada's game that here we go. Um, Dest, who's been very good, but I think McKenney, who I think is really, he's, you know, I think he's the, uh, 
an enormous part of the heartbeat of that team and he's won big games for them in the past. The fact that he's not in there um, is is a huge, huge boost for Canada. It certainly is. It, it's, I mean, for me, when I see Christian Pulisic come out of the game late, I, I'm like, it's not because they're saving him, his energy for Canada. It's because they don't want him to get jumped late in the game and haven't taken another one of these retaliatory red cards. And then they're down three of their best players in the final. I've, let's take a look for this final then. Canada, the U.S., for a trophy. It's something that I, Canada haven't had a lot of opportunities to do. They, they haven't played a final since 2000. Uh, they certainly haven't played the U.S. in a final. I haven't looked this one up, but I'm sure possibly never. Yeah. Um Mitchell, let's let's start with you though. What do you think? What are Canada's chances here? What do you think needs to go right for them in a, in a game of this magnitude, which means obviously so much for the program? Yeah, I mean it's an interesting one because there's the emotions for for both sides. I mean, for the U.S., obviously coming off uh, an incredibly emotional semifinal and um, managing that, and obviously you know missing two key players uh, that that has to be factored in, but. They've been here before many, many, many times. Uh, I think it's six gold cups and obviously winning the last Nations League since Canada last lifted a, a continental trophy. So, you know, that finals experience is always important in any sport. Um, but Canada has it in the roster, not necessarily at the international level. But, you know, a lot of the guys have recently played in in finals with their club teams. And that hasn't always been the case. And I mean, you look at a guy like Alfonso Davies playing in the, the biggest club final that there is. Um, over in Europe so I think that's important um, in terms of you know this match for Canada obviously um, you know those those key players who've, who've been there for a while and, and know what these finals are like will, will be so important and yeah I guess just managing the the emotions of the moment and, and the game in a very different match uh, I think than, than the Panama one where you know the U.S. will probably on the be on the front foot for for a lot of it and uh, maybe very similar to the match they played, I believe it was in Nashville during World Cup qualifying. You know, it'll be about those moments when you can catch the U.S. Uh, unaware that will be so important for Canada. Yeah, I, I think so too. Christian, you were on the ground. You saw all of these teams play. Are Canada, f- footballing-wise, maybe not psychologically, a more difficult test for the United States than a, a very disappointing Mexico team? Oh, I definitely think so, yeah. I think, you know... The way that the U.S.-Mexico rivalry is turned right now is that the U.S. just they're the, they're, they're the big brother bullies. Do you know what I mean? They don't fear anything to do with Mexico. I think there's a little fear factor when it comes to the U.S. towards Canada just because there is certain profiles of players where they're like, oh, we're going to have to be very different here. You know, Mexico, I just think are very stale, very predictable, um, you know, very safe in the way that they play. And I think everything against that for Canada. They're not safe. They're not predictable. You know what I mean? They're not stale. They're fast. Um, they can be, they can improvise as much as you can score a goal in six seconds in a transition. They could also play a ridiculous pass and give it away and lose a goal. It's just the way that Canada are playing at the moment, which yeah. is fresh, which is fun. Um, it, it, I think it speaks to the personalities of, of, the, of the players. Uh, so, no, I think to your point, I think the U.S., um, will definitely feel football-wise this will be a bigger test. Although you made a great point earlier, Charlie, and I was thinking about this last night. I think emotionally there was always going to be – that was always going to be their game last night. That yeah. They have to make sure that that isn't their final. They have to make sure that they don't go into this now thinking we've done everything we need to do because ultimately it comes down to lifting the trophy for them. It really does. And obviously they 
are taking they take pride in being the top they want to be the top team in CONCACAF for them historically that's just been being better than Mexico uh, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't seem like it's the case anymore I don't I don't think they've lost to Mexico since 2019 which mm. is just outstanding and, and obviously the uh, there, there's a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare going on in Mexican football at the moment I think the qu- second question Diego Coca got in his post-match press conference was have you considered resigning <laughs> <laughs> but for this this U.S. team they're now aware, I think, that there is another challenge. It's not just Concacaf is not one game anymore, right? And even if even if they are playing at home, I have no idea what the atmosphere of the crowd is going to be like in this final on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it it has to be a big game for them. There's a lot of variables in this U.S. team. We don't know. I think who's going to be technically their manager on Sunday. <laughs> uh, I I to to his credit, I think B.J. Callahan did a very good job game with them uh we we don't know if if the burhalter thing will get over the line but let's just let's talk about canada going into this final we've got a couple questions about it in the chat we've talked about you know some of the tactical things before i think maybe the best thing for us to do here is to go through who we think might or should start for canada in this game and we start with we've got a question from again other mitchell dare i say better mitchell sorry mr tierney um will we see any new faces in these fine in the finals Latouri Zator, I don't think we're going to see either of them in the final. Uh, that'd be great, but I think let's uh, maybe let's st- start with you guys. Do you think that they stick with that same kind of shape? Is it is it the back three again, Mitchell? Mitch, yeah, um, I I think so. I think what the the back three maybe um, with the wing backs offers them, and I think we'll see who they put at the wing back, but. The U.S. have those wide threats, and that allows you to kind of double up on those players if they play that defensive style. You know, Pulisic is coming down. You've got a wing back and a, you know, right center back who can kind of, you know, without pulling so many other players out of shape, who can really focus on him. Same with Wea on the other side. Um, so I like what that presents. And I do think, like, it puts a lot of those Canadian players in their best positions to succeed uh, in terms of, you know, some of those guys, a little at wing back. Um, and yeah, just allows, you know, when you've got a bit of a less mobile Vittoria in the middle, who's so great in the air, you know, allows him some of the cover as well. So I think that that, uh, you know, that's uh, important that they, they stick with that back, back three. It does bring the best out of the players, as you alluded to. Also covers up some issues defensively in a back four. You might not be as comfortable with them. Um, and it's very fluid, right? Like we see like a lot of this three box three where they, you know, the four backs will tuck in. We saw yesterday where Adekubi and Larea Buchanan would get very wide and then suddenly Eustachio can come deep and send those cross field balls in between the full backs. Um, so I think, the key for me will not necessarily be the defense, but how you break down the Americans because they're very yeah. good defensively. And, um, you know, what what are they going to do differently to get you know, in behind them a little bit more, which will be really tough. We even saw that in the World Cup. Like, I was fortunate to see the Americans live a, a number of times. In the end, the, the Dutch got behind them, and that was a little bit difficult for them. Um, American media said that Berhalter got outcoached that day. That was maybe a little bit harsh. There were some better players on the other team, but they are very organized um, and a lot of their success is that they're very happy to win games 1-0 in the end. Last night could have been 1-0. It was 3-0 because of how bad Mexico was, not necessarily because of how great the U.S. was. So um, I think it was, you guys alluded to, you know, the fact that Johnston got taken off in a 1-0 game is clearly obvious that they're managing his minutes and, um, you know, I would expect him to play. Vittoria, 
didn't necessarily break a sweat really too much. I think he'll probably play as well. Um, we'll find out about Miller. Uh, you know, I think Miller had a great game. Uh, I would just say that, you know, playing two games in four days, I think it's pretty obvious that he would. most people would expect him to play. I'll just say this. I think Scott Kennedy is very, very trustworthy now for, for John Herdman. Um, and although Miller is very good on the ball, you could make the case that defensively, I think Ken, that Kennedy brings a different outlook to the game, particularly when you don't have as much possession. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they do with that. Uh, and then obviously, as you guys alluded to, the big question is in the fullback positions, right? Alfonso Davies looked fine last night, and it'll be a big call uh, if they don't if they don't start him from the beginning. Yeah, I, I feel like. Davies probably has to start at this point of uh, it. Where is obviously always, it's always kind of been the question with him and his team. I personally look at a U.S. team that's probably going to start Joe Scally at right back and think that maybe you like that matchup if you get Davies in that, that left wing back spot. And then that maybe allows you to still have Laren, David Buchanan on the pitch up front. Um, so for me, I think that's probably a, a consideration for Canada. But then again, for me, the question then becomes in midfield. I think I think you definitely need that third body in there, as we've alluded to. Yeah. But the question is, who is that? Is that Jonathan Osorio? Is it Atiba Hutchinson? Is it both of them and not Ismail Kone? Uh, maybe we'll, we'll go back to Mitchell again. I don't know what the the best combination there is, but it feels like you definitely need that third person in there, especially against a, a U.S. team that will probably have a lot of the ball in the middle of the park. Yeah, and a U.S. team who usually plays with you know three central midfielders uh, as well. Like you, you want someone who who's keeping an eye on Gio Reyna so they can't just overload you in the center of the park. There, the interesting question then, of course, becomes which attacker do you take off um, so mm-hmm. that you can add a third in midfield? And that's a really tricky question because I think based on performance last night, it's probably Kyle Lahren. Uh, I don't think he had his best game, but he scored against the U.S. the last two times they've played them. Um, so, you know, th- that becomes difficult. And obviously, he's a, he's one of those guys who can lead the line very well. So it's going to be tricky on on that uh, on that front. But I think I think it is Osorio. I think, you know, we've, we've seen how well he's played against the U.S. In, in recent matches. Obviously, he was fantastic, I think, in, in the Hamilton match uh, against them and a, a guy who brings that emotional energy. So if he's... Again, fitness is the big question. Is Davies fit? Is Osorio fit? If those guys are are 90 minutes fit, not just 90 minutes fit for a regular game, by the way, like 90 minutes fit for a final, um, that, that that becomes tricky. So I think those are the, the big questions for me. Yeah, I think if Osorio plays um, and they do play an extra man in there, which I think they probably should, but I don't know whether they will. Um, yeah. He hasn't necessarily always done that. He played two-man midfield against Morocco, um, yeah. for what it's worth, in, this kind, in the same kind of system. Um, but if Osorio plays, I think even though he's playing great, the odd man out is probably Larea. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at the past selections and the way that they played this team, I just don't think they'll take out Kyle Aaron. I just can't. I just can't see it. The other thing about what Laren brings is that he allows David to do the, the dirty work, and, and and drop deep. And you look at the goal, the Davies goal yesterday. That was because of Jonathan David, you know. And he and he's, he picks yeah. up the ball in that position, and he's a little bit deeper. And I know, you know, Jonathan David and Canada like him to have that ability to 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 be a bit more of a freedom role where he can roam, come a little bit deeper, and press so well as well. And when he's leading the line as the nine. I don't necessarily think they get the best out of him in that way. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot easier for Jonathan David to be Jonathan David when there is a, a guy like Kyle Aaron who's running at the back line and, and creating those channels, pulling defenders around. Obviously, last time Canada played the U.S., those two 
linked up for the first goal in Hamilton. Uh, can't forget that. I think that's that's probably that's probably what you have to go with. This is a uh, a difficult game for Canada. Before we before we kind of wrap up here and maybe just briefly touch on the Canadian Premier League, which obviously there's a lot of other soccer going on in Canada before we get to this game. Guys, you've both been watching Canada for a very long time. What would it mean for this program to not only beat the U.S. in a very competitive game on Sunday, but to lift a trophy? Let's start with Mitchell. Oh, I think it would be, you know, a, a monumental moment. I mean, we've had, obviously, the the moment at BMO Field against Jamaica was was huge, but there's something to be said about just lifting a trophy, about there being the the silverware there and about being able to, to point to something like that and, and saying, you know, we were unequivocally the best, not just that we qualified for, for a major tournament, but, like, we were the best at, at this given time. So I think not only in isolation, like some of how some of, Canada's other great successes have happened, like the 2000 Gold Cup on, you know, a coin flip and then talk about what happened before and after that. I mean, this would be a moment where, um, you know, this comes off the back of some other great moments and builds that momentum. So and, you know, again, shows that Canada can win uh, those big games in matches again, like as much as they want to look to the the future and look to European opponents like beating CONCACAF opponents consistently over the, the next number of years, that's how you consistently unlock those big games. So that's that's their base and most important thing. Yeah, you guys know me pretty well. I've spent quite a lot of time thinking about this, even overnight here. And, um, you know, I was thinking, like, obviously a final, the ability to win a game, it is going to bring eyeballs, right? Whether it mm-hmm. be different fans, different, hopefully different media, the world media looking at it a little bit more, the attention on that. Um, is it really a needle mover for the sport in the country? And I think we're going to find out. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, which goes against a little bit of it against my nature, I'm a little bit pessimistic about it. I just hope that I'm wrong. I don't know if it's going to be a significant needle mover. So for me to settle on this, I've got, I think the key thing for this game is those players. It's the game for them. You know, we can talk about the big culture move and what we need to do in this country, and hopefully it's going to needle move the needle. Um, It's not the biggest game because they've played in a World Cup, but it's going to be their biggest game between now and the World Cup. It's just there's not going to be another bigger game than this. You know, you can't tell me there is a a game against Messi in a Copa America. Okay, that's that's a big game in a different aspect. But the the, the tangible measurements that come with winning a tournament and beating the United States and being a continental champion and actually having something of of meaning to hold and lift and and, and remember by all of that trumps playing whoever you're going to play in a Copa America and they're not going to win a Copa America. So I I just think, you know, ultimately this is their biggest game between now and kicking off the world cup and home soul in 2026. Um, So it's about the program. It's about the players. Uh, I talked to them a few of them last night, you know, Richie Lareas told me like, we deserve to be here. Uh, And I think that they believe that they're going to win this. And that's the key. They have to believe that they can win. And that ability to take the, 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 the past results against these teams in Gold Cups and World Cup qualifiers and know that they definitely left their mark on the United States in the past, that they belong on the same pitch as them, I think is half the battle before the ball is kicked to know that, yes, we can win this game. It's a battle of the mind and then going out there and doing it on the pitch. Absolutely. It's, it's monumental. They're, this is a big deal. I think everybody 
you know, t- tell your friends that, that Canada is playing in a final <laughs> on Sunday. Anybody who watches the Premier League in this country can watch that game on Fubo, thanks to One Soccer. Um, and it's a, a a really special moment. Obviously, um, one that one that we've been waiting quite a while for to uh, to get to this point. I I will say now, our intrepid reporter Benedict Rhodes has also been going around the CPL asking uh, some some coaches from the league as we uh, prepare for this weekend of matches about this moment as well. So uh, before we go, let's just hear from Pacific FC's head coach, James Merriman, and his own thoughts on on this game. Yeah, I think you see what it means to the players. They want to win that match. Um, it sets up uh, against the U.S. as well, which is uh, arguably our bigger bigger rivals than, than Mexico. So I think, uh, you know, John and, and the staff and, and the way that the team is, you know, everybody's following this group of players um, and, and Atiba as well, you know, announcing his retirement. So we hope that uh, they, get, they get a great result on Sunday and we can enjoy that. Absolutely. And lastly, again, uh, if you can't wait for Sunday to watch Canadian soccer, we've got four Canadian Premier League games coming up again on One Soccer, starting tonight in the Tony Bet Match of the Week. Valor taking on Hamilton, uh, Forge Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> Mitchell, you will be watching that game for us. That'll be a lot of fun. We've got a, two games at the same time tomorrow afternoon, Halifax Cavalry and Atletico Auto of Vancouver FC, I guess. Take your pick. Maybe watch both two screens. Uh, that's probably what I'm going to do. But uh, those are both exciting games. And then we've got a top-of-the-table clash on Sunday afternoon between Pacific and York United, which will lead in nicely, I think, to our final on Sunday when Canada take on the United States again on One Soccer. I believe 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Is that right? Yes. On One Soccer. Anyway, gentlemen, I, uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time this afternoon. Morning for Christian. Um, I'm sure you are dying to get back into the sweltering Nevada heat. It's actually, it's, it's actually raining here and the heat, really? is, bro- the heat is broken. Yeah, it's like uh, 65 right now, like 19, whatever it is. Yeah, so it's, uh, mm-hmm. so, so, so it's a rainy day here, but thankfully the Golden Knights have their parade tomorrow, not today. Oh, good. Yeah, that, that will be fun. So uh, anyway, Canada on Sunday trying to become the second team to lift a trophy in Vegas this week. <laughs> Mitchell, Christian, thank you guys so much. And uh, we will talk to you all on Monday.